Today, I'd like you to turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. Pastor Connie finishes up our series on the early church by examining the state of our church and the church today in the world. Let's listen together. I had a lovely vacation a couple weeks ago. We went to Minnesota for a nephew's wedding, and my sister had thoughtfully arranged for me to meet with friends and families that I, that I hadn't seen for a very long time. One of those was a friend from childhood, an Argentine MK, and I asked her about her church attendance, and she said, oh, missionary kid, same as me, thank you. Um, I asked her about her church attendance. She said, do you really want to know? Yes, tell me, I told her. It's a good thing you're sitting down, she said. I don't believe in God anymore. And she told me why. I told her a little bit about our journey at ABC. I told her about our four themes. Um, I, when I got to the LGBTQ part, she jumped out of her chair to give me a hug. And she said, well, you've got to drop the Baptist from your name. And I said, well, we've never been tempted to change our name, but she insisted, Baptist is a bad word these days. Now, I had so many of these conversations with friends and family where I asked them about the state of their church attendance and uh, what was going on in their churches. And I could see all of the trends, some of which we've seen here at ABC and some of which I've been reading about. Um, Christians who are tired of culture wars, Christians who have become disillusioned, who have been put through terrific societal change and are reeling, the toll that the last few years has taken on spiritual resilience, younger generations who don't attend anymore, Christians who don't want to be associated with the word evangelical or Baptist, in the case of my friend, because of what it has come to mean, Christians who have given up on church, and then my friend, a former Christian who has even given up on God. We are finishing up a series we've entitled The Newborn Church, and we've been looking mainly at the new church in Acts, but also throughout the New Testament. We've looked at the cultures in which the new church was birthed. We've looked at how they tackled deep problems. We looked at how they've worked out how they manage themselves. And we're doing that this because we have a sense that in the American church of today, that it is being reshaped in major ways, where the way we do church is being questioned, where the church has come up short, where change is necessary. Every generation and every culture, of course, changes the church and puts its own imprint on it. My uncle told me the story about his church planting days. This was probably the late 70s or 80s. And uh, four or five main churches in his area, which is Washington, were, were undergoing splits. It was because of hymns versus praise songs. And his new church was doing new music. They were dressing casually. They sent out no invitations. And the first day they opened their doors, they had 200 people in attendance. All of them were refugees from these splits around town. His was a change in the vision of how church looked or sounded, but 
to me, the change that we are seeing today seems more drastic. And I don't know if that's just because everyone feels that way during a major social shift. Um, we know it won't be analyzed until it's in the rearview mirror years from now. But right now, we're in the middle of something the Church of America is. We're experiencing it. We're doing our best to meet the challenges to be the church on this corner of Altadena that Christ wants us to be. Our challenge is to make sure that the changes that come our way are God-inspired. Now, uh, Pastor George, please uh, top your, stop your ears up, because I want to say something radical. I'm open to a name change. Don't let Pastor George hear that. If that's what we as a church want. But let me, let me just say this, in light of the major upheaval of the church in America, I want to make a case as to why we're a Baptist church, whether we change our name or not. We really like to think we're Baptist because the New Testament church was Baptist. Well, they were not all the way Baptist, but they did baptize the Baptist way, which is to say by confession of faith and full immersion. The shortcut of sprinkling doesn't even come around for some centuries later, and exactly when infant baptism started has been argued over, but there's no clear-cut examples in the New Testament of it. Baptism is all about following Jesus. Jesus gave his whole self to us, including his body, including shedding his blood. And baptism dramatized our whole self-commitment to Jesus, a witness to our community that now we belong to Jesus and we intend to live our life for him. And really, our commitment to baptism comes from Jesus' last command to his disciples in Matthew 28, verse 19. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. And remember, here comes a promise, I am with you always to the end of the age. So in baptism, we put away our old self, we put to death our old self, that's the picture of going down under the water, picture of going into the grave, kind of, and then coming back out to new life, to resurrected life, and you cannot picture that with sprinkling, is what we Baptists say. Well, we could, I suppose, call ourselves the Altadena Submerged Church, but ASC doesn't have the ring that ABC has, and we can submerge a lot of things for a lot of reasons. We can submerge a submarine, we can submerge clothes and water and soap to clean them, we can submerge country fried steak and gravy. A lot of good things get submerged, but only people are baptized. And of those, only the ones that confess Jesus Christ as Lord. So even though Baptist, Baptist is a shorthand way of saying how much water we use, um, it is also specific to people who choose Jesus and specific for that one-time act that symbolizes our lifelong, lifelong commitment to him. So Baptist has come to mean many things, but I would love for it just to simply mean people who love Jesus and are following him. Don't you want to choose Jesus? 
to say to the world, Jesus is my forever friend. Jesus is my forgiving savior who frees me from my sins. Jesus is my artistic designer as I become his masterpiece. He is my challenger when I go astray. He's my home where I belong. He's my healer of all my hurts. He's my refuge from the storm. Jesus is my strength when I am weak. He's my shepherd who will take me all the way through the valley of the shadow of the death into his full presence. Don't you want to choose Jesus and be baptized? And those of you who said yes and already have been baptized, you just reaffirmed your lifelong commitment to Jesus. And if you haven't been baptized, talk to Pastor George or me about it. Well, that's our name. Now I want to go through several distinctives that separate us from other denominations. I want to touch on several of them. The first is that the New Testament is the sole and sufficient rule for faith and practice. And what this means is that there are other denominations that use confessions, creeds, dogmas, doctrines, or some even use tradition how it's historically been done, like in the Roman Catholic Church. But Baptists are to be guided by scripture alone. I may have told you about my cousin who goes to an Episcopalian church, and one day the pastor decided to preach on the Bible, and he had to tell his people there's a pew Bible. The first part is Old Testament. The second part is New Testament. In the New Testament, the first four books are Gospels. We're going to be reading out of those. It kind of made me wonder, like, what... What, what does he preach on the rest of the time? Seemed that his, his congregation was unfamiliar with the Bible, but we, we encourage Bible study daily. We encourage study with others weekly. We devote quite a bit of our worship service to opening scripture together and digging deeper. We expect God to speak to us through his word. We experience the words of the Bible guiding our thoughts, our hearts, our prayers. And have you had that experience where you opened the Bible and you read something and you said, oh, that was for me today. God is speaking to me through that today. Or have you ever memorized a verse and then it came to your mind at just the right time? Don't you just want to open the Bible and read its treasures for yourself? Baptists are people of the book. Okay, our second distinctive is each person has direct access to God through Jesus Christ. We call this distinctive the priesthood of all believers, and it comes from 1 Peter 2.9. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. In the Old Testament system of priesthood, one of the tw 12 tribes, the Levites, were responsible for temple worship, for following the rituals, for knowing the proper way to approach God. And one day a year, one high priest would go into the Holy of Holies and uh, the most sacred space where God dwelt. And the idea of priesthood that some specifically 
trained people guard the faith, that priests mediate between God and the people, that idea has carried over into some Christian denominations. But Baptists are very insistent that everyone has spiritual gifts which we must share with one, with one another, and everyone, everyone has equal access to God. So um, this affirmation makes us different from other denominations. Let me put it this way. God is ADA compliant. Any barrier, any obstacle, any disability that we think we might have, when it comes to access, God totally levels and lays low. He throws open the door to his throne room. He rolls out the red carpet. He invites us to enter. There is no human gatekeeper to the presence of God. The only gatekeeper is Jesus, and he's not the gatekeeper, he's the gate. You just have to go through Jesus to access the Father. That's the invitation of the Father to come through the Son. So women don't have to go through men. Children don't have to go through adults. Lay people don't have to go through pastors in order to have access to God. The poor don't have to go through the rich. Just the opposite, in fact. The power structures, the systems that we have set up to separate people, to create hierarchies, to give some people an advantage, those rungs on our social ladder, that they do not get us any closer to God, and they may, in fact, hinder us because they produce pride and entitlement. So Baptists believe that age does not matter. Santiago, who is now putting together two-word sentences, his prayers reach God the same as mine do. And in fact, the Bible tells me I better strive to have the faith of a child, Mark 10, 15, for whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will never enter it. And that's why Leon, when he talked about his sister Frances, that was interesting to me that he said she was pure because she had that disability. Station in life does not matter. No amount of money can guarantee access to God. No higher education, no pedigree, no power gets me closer to God. The Bible says I better check my status and privilege at the door lest they become a pitfall. Race, gender, sexuality does not matter. The, God, the Bible tells me God shows no partiality. Sin, sin is the greatest disability of all. Sin is the equal opportunity disability that affects us all equally, and God himself provided a way out of the guilt and the consequences of sin through Jesus. So no matter what our disability that we think, the carpet is rolled out for all of us, the red carpet is rolled out for all of us alike, and we are invited in. We are all priests. And one of the reasons why Pastor George and I kneel at the front during prayer and face forward at that level of the congregation is because we are all, to use our Baptist non-liturgical language, we're all ministers. And my prayers don't go any higher than yours. We're all equal recipients of God's grace and therefore equally honored, equally responsible, and equally accountable before the Lord. So you cannot hide behind your pastors when you meet the Lord and say, well, Pastor George, because it's going to be him. Let's just be clear. Pastor George told me this. 
we have to think for ourselves in the Baptist church. Don't you want to approach God right now to take advantage of your access to enter the holy, holiest of holies in worship and awe, to soak in the safety, the belovedness, the peace that come from abiding in the presence of God, to affirm God's goodness, to seek his guidance. These are privileges that we all have. Okay, third distinctive, the church and the state are to be completely separate in their respective fields. The se separation of church and state are part of the Constitution of the United States of America. It was Baptists that put it there. We owned it first, and those views prevailed at the founding of our country because others argued that we should have a church, uh, a, a church, a state church. Freedom to worship is important to us because Baptists were persecuted. We were killed hundreds of years ago for our strange ideas. And out of that history came the strong belief that when the church gets too cozy with the state, the church always loses out. And that the church should never become the persecuting church. We really work best as the persecuted church because then we affirm our love of God, but we should never be the persecuting church. And so, just as we want our freedom to worship, we must protect the freedom of Muslims to worship, the freedom of Jews, Buddhists, Baha'is, Hindus, to worship in their own way, even as it differs from ours. Don't you want to give thanks for our freedom and not take it for granted? The fourth distinctive is that the church's government is democratic, a congregational form of government, and it's our American form of government that suits us to fully embrace our Baptistic way of governance. Baptist churches and other cultures struggle to understand the one person, one vote idea. In fact, Ken Milhouse, our missionary to Japan, years ago was fond of saying that in Japan, a Baptist, in a Baptist business meeting, everybody had their say, and then that's as Baptist as they got. Then all the eyes turned to the oldest male leader, and he had his say, and then everybody voted with him. Didn't matter if they disagreed, they voted with him. But we understand democratic principles a fondo deep as Americans, and if everyone has access to God, if everyone is able to hear from God themselves, if everyone is gifted by God, the way we govern our church is through the community of believers. Hearing from each other, listening to each other, disagreeing. Baptists are really famous for disagreeing. You heard the one about if there's three Baptists in the room, they'll have four opinions between them. Disagreeing, working our way through together. This is our decision-making process. It's messy, it's molasses, slow, but it comes from this fundamental understanding that we are all equally responsible for our own faith. Each of us must read the Bible for ourselves and understand for ourselves. And perhaps you read the Bible a little differently than me. You can disagree with your pastors 
I've tried not to say that sentence for over 30 years, but I'm just letting it out now. You can disagree with your pastors. That's very Baptistic. And then the church gets together, and then we hash it out. <laughs> but not in the morning sermon. I'm kidding. You can disagree anytime. So maybe my hearing is a little off. Maybe your seeing is a little skewed. We believe that in our connection together that the congregation can seek and find God's direction for the church. Don't you just want to attend a church business meeting right now? Maybe that's going a little bit too far. One, per, two people? Really? Okay. Okay. Well, we will have our chance in a couple of weeks. Um, and I can see why that wouldn't be any, everybody's cup of tea, but everybody is welcome. But I really mean to say, don't you want to become a member of this unwieldy, yes, but community-driven, every member honoring, transparently sharing, seeking God together, faith-building body of Christ? Okay, I'm getting, getting to my fifth distinctive. That is that Christ is the head of the church. Obviously, I haven't listed them in order of importance. Our distinctives are all interconnected because this fifth distinctive also informs the way we govern ourselves in our congregational meetings, that Jesus Christ is the head of our church. But this value means that we don't have a hierarchy. We don't have somebody uh, up above us at a high level sending down a decree that the congregation must follow. I remember vividly, I probably told it to you before, a comment from a pastor at a conference, this was years ago, when he learned that I was a, uh, I was a pastor of a Baptist church and George was my co-pastor. And I doubt that he would have said this if I was a male pastor and George was a co-pastor, but what came out of his mouth was, your church is being led by a two-headed monster. And it took me aback, and I had to think through that statement and think, why does that not even, it didn't even ping off of me. Like, I didn't even feel the sting of that statement. And then I, it hit me, I've never considered myself the head of Altadena Baptist Church, because Jesus Christ is the head of Altadena Baptist Church. And all of us, leadership included, are committed to following him the best way we know how. Don't you want to have Jesus as the head of our church? I left this value for last because change is rough on everyone. And we are going through a period of great change. And we need Jesus to be the head of our church to meet this change. I want you to know that I welcome questions. They tell us where we may fall short, what doesn't work, what never worked, what may have worked in the past but doesn't work now. I welcome doubts because they're real and we don't get to deep faith without expressing our very honest doubts. I welcome transformational change because God is all about transformation. The changes that he has to orchestrate in me, just in me, in order to complete his work of salvation, 
They go all the way down to the foundation of my very being. And even to the dirt below the foundation, that's how much saving I need and you need. And I intend to participate in that transformation with every ounce of my being. And I know that it won't be enough and then God's grace is going to carry me through that last bit. If God is transforming each of us personally, we should not be surprised that he is transforming his church, specifically his body here at ABC. Any transformation that God has his finger on is fueled by grace and love and leads to life. So I don't fear change because Jesus Christ is in charge of Altadena Baptist Church. And I have no doubt that Jesus will bring his church through alive and well. Because God's plan has always been for our faith to be formed in community. We don't grow solo. It's always been the case that children grow in their faith because of the older generations around them. And then we grow because of each other and because of them too. And we at ABC have experienced that we are formed best in a diverse community. It is such a gift to us. So much of the body of God elsewhere does not have that blessing. They're very monochromatic elsewhere, many churches. So we have something very special here, something that we feel is spirit-led, that has brought us through over four de decades of interracial communion. When there was no other church doing that in our area, and I didn't know of very many examples anywhere, really. Where would the state of America's church be today if all churches in the 70s were racially diverse and learning community through each other? The Spirit of God brought us through over three decades of women in leadership. How did we ever survive that? Well, we thrived, let's just say. The work did not fall only on the men's shoulders, but Baptist women who are also gifted were encouraged in their gifts and free to be ministers as good Baptists we are. The Spirit brought us through the music wars in the 80s and 90s that split a lot of other churches. And we are gonna rely on God's Spirit to lead us through the changes we are experiencing right now. Don't you want to see what God has in store for us? Let's bow our heads. Our God, we just wanna to say to you that you are an awesome God. We see in the past, how faithful you have been to this body here at Altadena Baptist Church. And we trust in you, Jesus. We love you, Heavenly Father. We lean on you, Holy Spirit, 
We submit ourselves to you fully so that you can lead us, so that you can transform us, so that you can use us in our hurting world. In Jesus' name, amen. We meet in Altadena every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Pacific, both in the sanctuary and on YouTube. Most other events will be starting up soon, but if you need prayer now, please reach out to us at altabapprayer at aol.com. And again, as always, we pray God's blessings on you this week.